Good morning, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here with you this morning and to open God's Word and to begin our Advent season. In, uh, in our prayer time this morning at uh, 10 o'clock, we, we, uh, we prayed about Advent to, uh, to ask God to instill in our hearts the... Um, not so much maybe the meaning of the season, but to have open hearts for what God will do for us in this Advent season. And it's a prayer that we should pray every Sunday of the year, rather than just focusing on Christmas and, and the birth of Jesus. Uh, but to have, have that focus, to have that focus. So today is the first uh, Sunday of Advent. Uh, love to see those candles and the first one being lit. And uh, who here knows Spanish? Who, who, who could understand the scripture in Spanish? One, two, three, four, five, six. On this side? We got the Spanish speakers over here. Anybody on this side? Yeah, me neither. But it's the word of God. It's so neat. Um, I, I met a, a fellow from Ukraine, and, uh, and we're looking for a Ukrainian Bible. And I'm thinking, there is something wrong in this country. We're having trouble finding a Ukrainian Bible. And how many Ukrainians have come to Lethbridge and to Alberta and Canada? We, we have a problem that we haven't got the word of God in, in Ukrainian for them. But we do have the Word of God here with us today, and uh, so, uh, so blessed to start the first Sunday of Advent, and we're starting the uh, season of Advent with four songs, and today is Mary's song. And so I was thinking back to uh, a little, little bit ago where I spent some time with our grandchildren, and uh, it was movie night. Movie night, and I have—I uh, was with four grandchildren, and the pressure was on. The pressure was on, because guess what? Grandma and Grandpa are looking after these four young ones, and their mom and dad, my daughter and son-in-law, are off to a conference in, in uh, Lake Louise, and we are looking after these four for the week. And tonight's movie night. And uh, <clears throat> I have a reputation of uh, picking some winners sometimes. And so my son-in-law had informed these four beautiful grandchildren of mine that I have picked some lousy movies. Well, not tonight. Tonight wasn't going to be a lousy movie. So I went on Netflix and I turned to the series called The Chosen. Who knows The Chosen? Yes, stories about Jesus. I only watched one. And the one I picked was Jesus and the Children. And it's a, yes, they took a little bit of license. So here's Jesus camping, okay? Jesus is traveling by himself. He's got this cool wheelbarrow type thing. And he's traveling by himself. And he has all his stuff piled on the wheelbarrow. And he has this camp set up. And he's praying to his Father in heaven. And these two little children sneak up behind some rocks. And as Jesus is praying to his Father in heaven, he says, and I hope those two children over there will come and say hello. Really neat. And so they come and say hello. And then they start inviting their friends, and pretty soon 
there's about six or seven children spending time with Jesus, sitting around the fire, helping him build his craft. He's building wooden spoons, and he was building a lock. Have you ever seen a lock for a door made out of wood? So again, a little bit of license, but really neat to see Jesus with children. And then Jesus is just answering their questions. You know, what's your father like? Things like that. Really, really neat. And so in my experience, as people ask me about God and what God is like, I typically say to look at Jesus. And the chosen is just an amazing way to look at Jesus, to see how Jesus lived to see what he said about himself, his character, how he treated people, his miracles. And I say to, to people, if you look at Jesus, then you know what God's like. But here's my next slide. God. I'm guessing there's 150 to 200 people here and just looking at the word God. And every one of you are thinking about God. And what are you thinking? What are you thinking? God, your father, we are his children. Yes, we want to know what God is like. We can look at Jesus and we can get to know Jesus and Jesus can teach us so many things and work in our soul and change us from the inside out. But I think we still want to know about God. Our understanding of God is in very human ways. The big name is, the big word is anthropomorphic. I'll say it again because I didn't quite say it right. Anthropomorphic. It means that we give human characteristics to God. And yet, Jesus said to the woman at the well, God is spirit and we worship him. So, we think in human terms and yet God is spirit. Think of this part about God. We assign attributes to him. Joe led us in worship this morning, and there were a lot of attributes given to God in our singing. And those attributes are what we are putting on God and not to raise any controversy this morning, but do we even have any right to put an attribute on God, to say that he is this and he is this. Just some thoughts about God before we start this morning. Thoughts about God. So Mary's song, Mary's song found in Luke chapter 1, is employed in a variety of, of churches, the Roman Catholic Church, the Lutheran churches, many Anglican churches, mainline churches. Mary's song is called a hymn. 
Mary's song is called a canticle. Mary's song is called an evening prayer. And Mary's song this morning gives us an insight into the characteristics of God. And my prayer is that it will inspire us this Advent season to see God afresh, see God new. But let's start with Mary. I found Mary in the Word of God. She's first mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. That's the genealogy you and I usually skip because there's a lot of names and there's a lot of, if you're reading an older version, a lot of begats. And it shows us from the beginning of time to the birth of Jesus. And it shouldn't surprise us that in Matthew 1 verse 16, right at the end of the list, Mary is listed as married to Joseph and, quote, of whom was born Jesus. One tiny little insert in that genealogy. And, of course, in the Gospel of Matthew, Mary is described in the birth of Jesus, her engagement to Joseph, and that little drama I shouldn't say little. That drama of Joseph's decision to remain with her when she is pregnant. I don't find Mary, the mother of Jesus, in the Gospel of Mark. Mark begins by saying, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And bango. Mark starts in with John the Baptist and Jesus is full grown and his ministry is beginning. I don't find Mary in the book of Mark. Check it out and tell me if I'm wrong. Luke, the gospel of Luke, records the birth of Christ and this is where Mary's song is found. Luke is the physician, the accurate technical, methodical physician who gives us the person of Mary in some detail. We read in the Gospel of Luke the visit from the angel Gabriel to Mary and her reaction to the news that she will conceive from the Holy Spirit. Imagine the experience. Mary, a young woman, she could have been 14, she could have been 15, she could have been 16, 17, 18. A very young woman. Imagine the conversation. When's the last time you talked about your virginity to an angel? She did. She said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And so this is the setting for Mary's song. Mary goes to visit her cousin. Elizabeth, her cousin, is elderly, and she has been barren. 
And now Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. Jesus and John will be cousins. Elizabeth's husband was also visited by an angel, but that's another story for another time. Mary's song is a response. Mary's song is at the beginning of her visit. Mary's song is when Elizabeth and Mary meet for the first time. And Elizabeth has something to say too. She says to Mary, blessed are you that you have believed what the Lord has said and will be accomplished. Elizabeth blesses her and the response is this song. Now, for us to take the context of Mary and Mary's song, I think we should keep going, don't you? I think we should mention that in the Gospel of Luke, that Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem, and that the story of the birth ends abruptly, and we fast forward to Jesus being in the temple at the age of 12. The age of 12. And he's conversing with the leaders in the temple, and he's keeping up with them. He's probably even surpassing them. And then we have the verse in the book of Luke where it's recorded that verse that I think all of us know. And it says, his mother treasured all these things in her heart. This is after the event in the temple at age 12. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. Why do I mention that? I mention that because I think I want us to get a picture, a little picture of what it would be like to be the mother of Jesus, to be the mother of God. That is mind-boggling. Two more occasions of Mary. Two more occasions of Mary. That's what this is for. I'm going to warn the cameraman that I'm going to walk around. It's the occasion of Jesus on the cross and saying to the writer of the gospel, he's not named. But Jesus says, your mother. And Jesus says to his mother, your son. An adoption takes place at the cross. Again, Mary. And Mary's song fits into this story. Dear woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. And finally, a surprise. I think you'll be surprised, because I was surprised. 
Mary appears in Acts chapter 1. Anybody's eyebrows going up yet? Acts chapter 1. Not a gospel. After Jesus' ascension to heaven, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is with the 11 apostles praying in Jerusalem. Does that kind of blow your mind? She's still alive. She may even have been there when her son went to heaven on a cloud. And here she is with the 11 apostles praying in Jerusalem just before the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that neat? Isn't that neat? Okay, I'm going to read Mary's song again, just in case you missed it in Spanish or you missed it in English. Let's look at it once more. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in the remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary describes God in her song. She praises God for all that she is experiencing, including the wonder of his pregnancy, the wonder of this child within her, the miracle of the Holy Spirit, the visit of the angel, and the camaraderie that she has with her cousin, Elizabeth, who is pregnant. Let's look at the list of how Mary describes God. If you just want to go to the next slide, please. Great. So remember when I was talking about God, and all I had up there was God. Look at what Mary says about God this morning. Mary describes God as her Savior. I don't know about you, but my mind starts to burst when I start to try and think of how this is working. That this baby within her is God. That this baby within her is Jesus. That this baby within her is her Savior. And God is her Savior. Because that's what she knows. God was the Savior of the people of Israel. He saved them out of the land of Egypt. He saved them in the desert. He brought them into the promised land. She describes God as her Savior. She describes God as God looking down on his people 
And that's a good thing. He, she describes God as mighty. She describes God as holy. She describes God as merciful to all generations. She describes God as strong, as scattering the proud and bringing down the mighty. She describes God as exalting the humble and the lowly, filling us with good things and helping his chosen people and speaking to our forebears and to their offspring. That's us forever. That's a list that we could preach on for a number of weeks. But we're going to jump into some takeaways. What can we learn from this? Where do we go with all these amazing descriptions of God by Mary, the mother of Jesus? Well, the first that I want to talk about is to praise God for revealing himself to you and me. God has revealed himself at Advent season. His church and the world. Advent is a time to remember, to recall and wonder at the revelation of God to humankind. This is it, folks. This is the revelation. This is the big reveal. Advent. We celebrate the arrival of Jesus, his birth, the story of Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. This Advent season, celebrate that God has revealed himself to you. That's a miracle. God reveals himself. And we haven't done anything for it. You haven't worked for it. You haven't taken part in the discovery of who God is. It's his initiative. He brought it to bear. And Mary talks about this God who reveals himself to us. The second takeaway is that God reveals himself through nature. This again is God's initiative from the beginning of time. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And the New Testament says the same. Paul says, We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things, idols, to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. You know, when it comes to nature and God revealing himself, I've intentionally read books on evolution. I've intentionally read books on the universe, the beginning of the universe, the expanse of the universe, expanding or contracting, the theory of relativity. How is it that those stars come and shed their light and it takes years and years and years and years before we see them? And there are theories, and some of the theories border on imagination. And so many times when I read these books, there's the phrase, we don't know. 
We don't know. We don't understand. We can't explain it. And that, for me, is the wonder of creation. That is the revelation of God through nature. And by the way, it's a little pet peeve of mine. We worship the creator. We don't worship the creation. We worship the creator. He has revealed himself through creation. God has revealed himself through the word and through Jesus. John the Baptist said, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the only Son who is at the Father's side has made him known. God reveals himself through the word. The word of God. And the many languages that it's written. And the Bible is still the bestseller. And the word of God is precious. And God is revealed through his word and through Jesus. And then from Mary's song, I took this fourth point. Have humility in the understanding of God. Mary described God as bringing down the mighty from their thrones and scattering the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. My knowledge of God is limited. We're finite. I am finite. I am fragile. And when I compare my fragile state, my lowly state, to this infinite God, to this transcendent God, transcendent means existing apart from and not subject to the natural universe. He's transcendent, he's above, he's supernatural. And God is also imminent. He is sustaining, he is here, he is present, he is omnipresent, he is everywhere, and he is all-knowing. To know God is a miracle of faith and grace. And we need to have a little humility as we stand before God. And how did you get to know God? How did you get to know God the Father? We've read the testimonies of the five who were just accepted into membership, who have joined in our covenant. God spoke and they heard the five who were here. And they listened and they received God the Father, his love through Jesus and the influence of the Holy Spirit. God is revealing himself all the time. I had a seminary professor once walk in and we were all sleepy and it was 8 o'clock in the morning and he walks in and he says, do you realize that God did not sleep last night? He stayed awake all night. God does not sleep. And he gave us a verse from Psalms that said the same. Remember, this, this humility thing, just remember who you are in comparison to God. It's good to know our place before God. And there's times I feel very lowly and humble. And maybe the old-fashioned word is reverent, to be reverent before God. And finally, rejoice in your treasure in knowing this revealed and mighty God.
and pray for those who don't have that treasure. I think Advent will be a good time to pray for those who have not found God. God has not yet revealed himself to them. Jesus said, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Mary's song, a song of Advent, humbly accepting God's gift of his revelation of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your servant, Mary, a woman who lived her life in such a humble way and who accepted the gift of the Holy Spirit to bring Jesus into this world. Father, as we enter this Advent season, may we reflect on who you are, God, and that you have revealed yourself to us at this time, and that this is a miracle, a miracle of Advent that you chose to come, to be our Savior and to be our guide, to send Jesus to show us what you are like, God, and to love us and to be the Savior of the entire world. Lord, may we pray for those who don't know you, May many come to know you during this Advent season, the time of God with us. Amen.